Welcome to the Winner Circle with Derek Pang and Bianca Leger. On this podcast, we'll introduce you to real-world heroes who have stepped outside their safe, known worlds to pursue and live their win, their best lives. This is a choice we all get to make. The intention behind these conversations is to uplift, inspire, and empower you to move forward with greater faith, trust, and belief in yourself on your hero's journey ahead. Let's go, hero. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode. On today's episode, alongside co-host Bianca Leger, we interview an Enneagram educator who helps others by sharing insights of the Enneagram and practices designed to support others' ever-evolving self. Over the last decade, she's held space for thousands of curious humans as the Director of Marketing and Vision with the Prairie Collective. She's been an educator with the University of Winnipeg and is a movement and meditation teacher at a variety of wellness studios, festivals, and retreats. Welcome to the Winner Circle, Rochelle Taylor. Mm, I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me, Derek and Bianca. So awesome to have you. Yes. The goal with these conversations is to uplift, inspire, and empower all listening along, all tuning into this vibration to move forward with greater faith and trust in themselves on the hero's journey. And we like to keep things positive and light here. And the first question starts us on that foot. Right here, right now, what do you love about your world right now, Rochelle? That's a, that's a challenging one. Um, uh, there's a lot to love, um, but I am currently uprooted and living at my in-laws and, and experiencing um, my challenges with my, my real environment, um, just uh, working from home and not being in my space. But right here and now, I really love um, being in connection with you two. I, I love the opportunity that we get to connect and be here and uh, yeah. Oh, I didn't expect that. <laughs> it's so <laughs> nice to be connecting. I'm, I'm excited for this. <laughs> it is so nice. And I know you're also not, Bianca, in your normal space. So we're both in our, in our out, out of our environments where it's, yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Just going with it. <laughs> yeah. Going a little bit deeper. Yes. Community and connection is something you thrive in and you lead by example in Rochelle and I'm excited to get into that um, shortly but one way we have to know all our guests I read a bit about your bio you wear many hats and one way that we get to know others but one way that we get to know ourselves and this this item serves as our north star throughout the highs and lows that is life and that is being aware of our personal mission the mission that leads us in all that we do whether that be personal projects passion projects family, relationships, and everywhere in between. And it can be always changing, but it's something we should, we ought to be bringing awareness to here and now. What is your current mission in this reality plane, Rochelle? Mm. Um, right now, I am trying to, my, my personal mission is to heal my own shit and help others heal theirs so that we can collectively um, embody a higher frequency and leave a better world for our kin, right? I believe that we heal the world by healing ourselves. And I think right now there's a lot in the world that is very evidently broken, right? And, and it can feel really overwhelming when you're like, how can I even start to take on all of this stuff that's happening in the world and I see that's broken? And my personal mission is to remind people, including myself, that that starts with you. The way you heal the world is you heal yourself. And when you heal yourself, you're able to show up in the world in a healed way that can heal others. And then collectively, we need to heal to fix the things that are broken. Right? Mm -hmm. I absolutely agree. Mm -hmm. So, so how... Mm-hmm. So how are you doing? How are you doing this, Rochelle, right now? What does that look like for you? How are you healing your own shit? And how mm-hmm. are you helping others do the same? Mm-hmm. Um, so healing my own shit um, is a constant process of self-inquiry 
Um, and that's like day to day, um, week to week, month to month, you know, of, of sort of, uh, you know, big picture things. What am I working on? Who am I seeing? Who's on my team right now? You know, wellness professionals, um, yeah, service providers, acupuncturists, you know, all, all, who's on my team helping me heal. Um, and I've got to be on my team and, um, and then doing the work of showing up. And, and as I've mentioned, I'm in sort of this uprooted space. I was on this long trip. I'm about to move. I'm sort of really in this uprooted time that, um, committing to my daily practices has been even harder, right. To show mm -hmm. up, um, mm -hmm. when, when we're in the unfamiliar, so really being steadfast with myself of like, no, I'm not going to scroll Instagram for 10 minutes before I jump into my day, my work day, I'm going to mm -hmm. do my breath work, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that's how I'm healing my stuff and, um, and, and doing that, um, this constant process of looking and being honest, um, and, and approaching a lot of what I'm doing right now is trying to approach myself with self-compassion. Because when we're trying to heal ourselves, we see things that aren't always pretty and, and often that's when we shy away, but self-compassion lets us approach, um, without, um, the hate, the self-hate going on of, you know, why did I do this? Why did I screw up? Why did, you know, um, but if I love myself, I can allow myself, um, that space to, to step into healing and then, um, with um, how am I helping others? Um, well, that's actually my job, which is really um, wonderful. Um, but I work one-on-one -on -one, um, and I do group programs as well. But uh, mostly the right now, I'm currently working with mostly one-on-one -on -one clients um, and I help them um, heal their shit by understanding their nature. And, and that is their Enneagram type, which is your um, personality or really the strategy that you've adopted to navigate the challenges of being human. And in that there's a lot of gifts and skills and strengths, but there's also a lot of shadow. So in my one-on-one mm -hmm. -on -one work, I help people not only, you know, um, see the, the gifts and strengths of their type, but also recognize the shadow, the areas of opportunity where they need to work and to show them, you know, real accessible, tangible ways to um, heal some of those inner, in, in, pardon me, some of those inner narratives that might have been um, causing the, that pain and, um, and to integrate practices in their everyday life in sustainable, real ways so that they can um, not approach from such a wounded place. Mm -hmm. Wow. I, um, I feel really inspired by that. I, I'm really intrigued by the mm. relationship between, um, you know, healing our own shit and then stepping into that role of helping others heal their shit and also being aware that when we interact with others to help it like often triggers things within ourselves and like points to us where we still have work to do mm -hmm. um now you work with the enneagram and i'm excited to dive into that more um but i imagine that it had a big role to play in your own did it have a role to play in your own healing absolutely and and it currently does present tense mm -hmm. right like it, and 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 i believe healing is is lifelong right we're always going to be coming up against ourselves um yeah. and uh yeah so for me it was huge um in my healing and i'm very fortunate i was introduced to the enneagram um over 20 years ago now, um, by my aunt who, um, really, you know, at first I was 17, uh, and I was sort of looking what to do with my life. And that's a lot of people where they sort of find it for the skills and strengths. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and you can get lost in that, which is sort of one of the pitfalls. It's, it's not about all the good things about your type, <laughs> you know, those are one thing, the good things yeah. are nice, but it's also about, let's take a look at the shadow. Mm -hmm. Let's take a look at these patterns, um, that are happening. So, for me, um, and when you first discover the Enneagram, knowing those things sometimes give, or some people will take that and let it excuse their behavior, which is what I did for about the first 10 years of knowing about my type was, oh, I, oh, I'm so scattered. Oh, I'm just an Enneagram seven. 
oops, I work 16 hours every day for the next, you know, two weeks. Oops. I'm just an Enneagram seven. Oh, I'm hungover again. Ha ha. I'm such an Enneagram seven. Right. And, and those, um, and letting that type structure justify my behavior, you know, um, rather than go, oh, this is actually showing me that there's something much deeper here that I need to look at. Yeah. Yeah. Those shadows, those yeah. blind sides. And, and I love, I love what you said, Bianca, about, uh, about my clients, you know, um, showing me what I need to see. And it's interesting. Um, I'm a seven, an Enneagram seven with an eight wing and, and, and of your type and, and the type that you, um, I, your primary wing, you will, um, uh, um, sorry. And so the seven and the eight wing, um, I, I identify with, and I work with a lot, I've attracted a lot of seven and eight clients. And it's funny. Cause I know you and Derek said that you're seven <laughs> and an eight. So, but so, uh, I'll, uh, the, the majority of my clients are sevens and eights. And so often on my calls in my days, like I'm literally saying words. And as I say them, I'm like, this is the universe holding up a mirror to you mm. <laughs> you're saying these things to you as much as you are to the person on the other call. Right. And recognizing that like, you know, our healing is in tandem. Uh-huh. <laughs> so this is a great opportunity for us since I'm an eight, Bianca is a seven. And I think our secondary ones are a, a seven for me and an eight for her, which is interesting. Yeah. Um, to kind of examine how you use this information with people to help them and let's just start with who in like you learned about the Enneagram from your aunt but where did the Enneagram come from where where is it science rooted in where is it mm-hmm. rooted in like what is the Enneagram um so the Enneagram is really a spiritual tool and it's sort of been sort of lumped in with the other personality framework Myers-Briggs DISC you know those types of things um but it's not a personality tool per se, it's a spiritual tool. And this spiritual tool um, has roots, like the earliest documents that they can, or the earliest um, lineage that they can find is thousands of years ago and dates back to oral Sufi traditions. Okay, and so, um, and it described more energy than necessarily behavior. So like the nine different energies that humans have, right? Um, and the Enneagram was originally taught as an energetic framework. Okay, so, um, and we get lost in the psychology of it, right? But but remembering that it's an energetic framework. So um, then thousands of years go by um, and in it made a resurgence in the early 1900s, again, as a somatic framework. Um, and there were about three teachers from different parts of the world who really um, did a lot of research and work to bring the Enneagram back um, and, and to sort of um, modernize it to, to our, our world. And so they essentially at the root of it, there is nine different ways of navigating the human experience um, that is rooted in how you use your head, your heart, and your gut. And these are the three brains. So the Enneagram is rooted in the law of three, um, you know, nine types is three expressions of ways of seeing the world through the mind first, three expressions of seeing the world through the heart first, and three expressions of seeing the world through the gut first, through the body first, okay? So those are the nine types. And it, um, and within those nine types, uh, the Enneagram itself, the word Enneagram means a nine pointed shape in constant motion, okay? So there are nine points, it's a shape, uh, there are lines that connect and there's all, you know, the learning happens in learning about what those lines mean and how to use them to your advantage. But really, it's a spiritual framework that shows you um, how you overuse some of those brains and underuse others and how to um, grow, how do you grow and, and the method of growth for each of the types feel counterintuitive. Um, and it shows you your unique pathway to growth because you as like the Enneagram are in constant motion. You're always growing. You're always, um, ebbing and flowing. And the Enneagram helps you to understand why you do the things you do, why you operate the world in a certain way. You know, why for me as a seven type, like I'm information first, right. And my partner, 
is a gut type. He's intuition first, like our gut feelings first. So, you know, we're buying how we're building house. There's like one zillion decisions to make. Whereas he just knows he's like, let's do this. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I need to see all the information. Like I can't make a decision without the information because that's what I, that's where I reference the world from. So, so it's, um, offers a lot of insight into how we approach the world differently. And really there are nine different ways of approaching the world. Mm. Hopefully that answered your question. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, with yourself being a seven and Bianca is a seven, let's just kind of do just a brief overview of what this is. What are the strengths of a seven? What are the areas of an opportunity for a seven? Sure. Um, Sevens are called um, the enthusiast, the optimist, the adventurer, the dreamer. Um, From the outside in, when people first read about the nine types, um, they'll often say, oh, the seven looks like the best. Cause, cause it's, you know, they're, they're optimistic. They're fun. They're easy. Go- they're, they're, um, uh, they are, uh, they are fun loving. They don't really like to sit in pain. Like, the, you know, they're, um, but there's a real, and, and each type has a specific, you know, driving motivation that drives them and the seven's motivation and a thing that they avoid. And the seven's motivation is to be content and free. So it's all about freedom. And the thing that they avoid is pain. And so, and it's funny, I read this great and, and my partner's like, well, that doesn't make any sense. Who, li- who, who likes pain? Well, there are some people that like pain, right? And, and there's a, this Anthony Bourdain, who I believe was also a seven. There's this great quote by him where it says like, I don't like pain, you know, give me Giselle Bunchen If she wants to walk all over me in high heeled boots, no, thank you. I'm not into it. Right. And it's like there it's yeah. I, a pain adverse, but the reality of the seven type is that in avoiding pain, you're actually limiting yourself from the experiences that will help you get free, be content. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So and for all the nine types in the thing that you avoid, you are actually moving further away from the thing that you want. Yeah. That makes sense to me. Right. Sense. Yeah. And because I, I feel like I, I've had a lot of fear to kind of dive into and um, mm-hmm. I've definitely avoided pain earlier on in my life. And, and it came crashing in such a way that it was like, oh, there are different emotions that we need to sit with and learn from. Mm-hmm. It was like a massive learning. Totally. And that's the lesson of the seven, <laughs> right? It's not all about information. There's mm-hmm. feeling too. There's, yeah. there's feeling too. And, and, and I love what you said about like, and, and this is often what happens. And when we discover the Enneagram is often when we're at a point in our life where it's like, what I'm doing is not working. What I'm not, mm-hmm. what I'm doing is not sustainable. The world is not reward, you know, like I can't keep doing this. I can't yeah. keep doing this. And then, um, you know, and that's where we find uh, this insight into why, wh- who we are, or our, our nature, how we got there and how to get out. So um, with the seven type, exactly what you're speaking of, Bianca, of, of like, um, yeah, there are feelings, naming my feelings. I can't avoid pain forever. I can't outrun my pain. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's really cool. <laughs> and so now let's look at another type so people can kind of see how they kind of, yeah. we're not going to go through all of those. We'll yeah. go through yeah. one more. We'll yeah. go through, so what's the, an eight? Yeah. So, yeah. so the seven type is, is a head type. And I want to just, and the head types are fear-based by nature, which means that fear is an underlying, and as most sevens will tell you, no, you know, they'll, they'll, they're ambivalent to their fear. And that's where the optimism comes from. I'm not afraid. I'm cool. I'm good. Everything's good. It's good. I'm good. I'm fine. Look how fine I am. It's like, actually, yeah. you don't need to be fine. You don't always need to be fine. The eight, in contrast, um, although the seven and the eight type, because any any types that are neighbors, meaning next to each other on the system, will be more similar, okay? Because just like your neighbors in real life, you have more in common with them. Okay. So, um, sevens and eights play well together. They, they understand each other. They both have, um, uh, a quick future, a future focused way of being and processing the world. But the eight in um, contrast is a body type, which means that they rely on their gut, 
right? And so gut information, gut feels, and really sort of the physical feeling of a space or their environment or, and you know, what's tangible in the, re, in the here and now. Um, eights are more grounded than a seven where a seven is more cerebral. And the eight type avoids, uh, or sorry, the eight type wants to be in control and not necessarily of other people or anything, but in control of their own destiny and avoids being vulnerable or weak. Okay, so wants to be strong, avoids being weak. And then in this avoidance of being weak, again, loses out on the strength that comes in vulnerability, right? And, and how, um, you know, and the eight is the leader, the challenger, um, and how much more impactful they are as leaders when they allow themselves to be vulnerable. Right. And how much more people they'll attract. And they get, so it's, um, and the eight type similar to the seven, um, does have to, uh, in, in different ways and for different sort of reasons, um, needs to find the path to their heart and to their feelings and to their emotions. Um, and both sevens and eights can, um, uh, benefit from slowing down and learning just as you spoke of Bianca to name your feelings. Mm -hmm. right? Oh, this spectrum of feelings. And oftentimes both the sevens and eights are great at reframing might say, Ooh, uh, that feels icky. Like I don't have a word for it. Right. Cause I haven't really been well-versed in my emotional landscape. Yeah. Right. Thinking, yeah. and acting, thinking up an idea, taking action on it. No problem. Sitting here with my feelings, not as easy Yeah, mm -hmm. for both those types. Would you agree, Derek? I think so. Like, um, it, it kind of leads to my next question of how, with mm -hmm. awareness, with awareness of our default patterning, mm -hmm. um, we could create change. So are these numbers um, fluid? Like, so like maybe you're an eight and then you become like a seven and you become a five or maybe you become one where all, like all levels are equal on that circle. That's a know. great question. That's a great question, Derek. So you are actually born your type and you stay your type your whole life. So that's um, the, but within your type, within your eightness, within your sevenness, there is a spectrum of nine levels of health, three levels of healthy or embodied, three levels of average and three levels of unhealthy. And your whole life, that's where the fluidity happens in are you operating in an average level of your eightness, uh, an embodied level of your eightness, or an unhealthy? And that shifts from time to time, you know, from stages of your life, places you're in, stresses. But the Enneagram system provides you with the language and the, the framework to know and actually to move up and to, to move up to the towards embodiment. And when you get knocked down towards unhealthy. Um, is, uh, is informed by, you actually act like another type on the Enneagram. So this is how all the types are connected. So as an eight, for example, um, in growth, you act like a type two, who is the giver, the helper, right? And that's that your pathway to the heart. In stress, well, how you get knocked down on the spectrum, you act like a type five. You go in your cave, you're all alone, the inner observer, you're alone with your thoughts and you, you right. And so it's, um, and into a retreat into the mind, that's a stressful place for the eight. Right. And then the, yeah, growth, that resonates. the growth place is from the heart. And so, so that's where the system becomes really magic. Um, and it, because it gives you the framework and language to know how to incorporate some of those counterintuitive healing behaviors. But when you look at the spectrum of health for any of the nine types, you know, um, the highest level and the lowest level, like don't sound like the same person, <laughs> like, you know, like they're the, um, and, and for the eights, for example, uh, Nelson Mandela is an eight, right? 27 years in prison comes out, not mad. <laughs> mm -hmm. And eights driving emotion is anger, by the way. And then um, uh, eight in the unhealth, um, Donald Trump, also an eight, megalomaniac, you know, it's, it's like abuse of power, you know, fairly loses an election and then gets mad about it, 
right? Whereas, yeah, Nelson Mandela in prison for 27 years comes out not mad. <laughs> you know, like, so it, it, you can see um, how those same personality types um, present very differently based on a level of health. And, mm-hmm. and, and, that, and that's another good point too, that the point of working with the Enneagram is not, I want to become a three. Oh my God, threes look so great. I'd love to become a three. Let's become a three. That's not the point. The point is, hey, let me look at my shit so that I can embody a healthier, happier version of me, of my nature, right? Because all of that, those decades of operating in the world that way, you know, has created, you know, th- there are things to celebrate about every type, your skills and your strengths that you want to celebrate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so well explained. That really helps me understand what you do in the Enneagram a lot more. Mm, um, thank you. Yeah, good. <laughs> one thing that you've mentioned is a big piece of your work with the Enneagram um, as a student and as a teacher is using it to recognize your shadow. Let's talk about that. Um, and maybe you could do an example from your personal life, your own life. Like how, how does one recognize the shadow? How does one even realize they have shit to heal? When it, mm. where did that come for you with you? Yeah. Um, well, and, and for me, <laughs> as a seven, I have a particular um, challenge in that I'm such an optimist (laughs) that even in the Enneagram, seeing some of those lesser type, like, you know, sort of less desirable quick traits of my nature, I can be like, well, that's not a bad thing. That's okay. I can, you know, like, oh, being gluttonous. Well, that's fine. I can just, I love, I'm, I love savoring life. (laughs) (laughs) No, there's, um, but um, yeah. So for me, um, a part of my shadow, you know, was really, um, and, and sort of blew how I operate in the world, um, out of the water per se is, um, this. So, um, yeah, just really understanding that I really didn't put my heart into a lot of, of, uh, decisions, right? That, that primarily I'm operating, um, I'm sevens are self-referencing and that's a very nice way to say selfish, but like, you know, when they're making a decision, it's like me, what do I, me, that's the, that's who we reference. And there are other types, I mean, um, that reference others or who reference, you know, um, society or rules or what, you know, something outside of themselves, but as a self-referencing type, you know, to really recognize um, that some of the things, the ways that I wasn't feeling were hurting people, right? And it wasn't intentional. It wasn't because I was malicious or a bad person, but because I was moving too quickly, mm-hmm. right? And in my quickness, in how, in which, you know, I would see the quickness of my Enneagram type as a strength, right? I learn things quickly. I do things quickly. Things happen quickly. Cool. But in that quickness, there's a shadow of, right. I'm not seeing all the things I'm not, um, taking into consideration all the sides. I'm not taking into consideration others in, in those decisions. Right. So, um, really that, that shadow piece of, right. There's more, (laughs) there's more to it than me. And I need to, um, and by nature, I will make a decision pretty quickly, but it's not really taking into account others. So, um, the healing path for my type is more depth. And in that space, I would integrate or invite more depth into my decision-making process that involves more people. Mm-hmm. Another way that you healed yourself is through yoga. Um, and yeah. you're a yoga teacher currently, and let's examine that. How did you come to yoga how did yoga become a healing tool for you and Mm. what has that evolved to yeah and that's interesting and and I think that with the work I do the uniqueness that I bring is actually bringing all of this together right um so yeah I discovered yoga 17 years ago now um and when my dad died and it was a really um uh sad moment and again in my classic sevenness my dad died I got a little bit of an inheritance I was like see ya went on to the other, you know, went into this adventure, chasing the sun, doing all this stuff. And then when I got back, 
and, you know, sort of the money had run out and I had partied everything, you know, it was like, I, the party wasn't going to fix, <laughs> wasn't going to fix how I was feeling in my heart and, and the pain I was feeling. And someone recommended yoga and it was right at the beginning of sort of the hot yoga boom in Winnipeg. And, uh, and so I went and, and I remember it was, uh, and my friend Fallon took me and I remember it was the first time that, you know, I really felt, um, for me, I think of yoga, it was my pathway to the heart. Right. And now that I can look back on it and understand sort of my blind spots and, and my, the things of my nature I needed to heal, I can mm -hmm. see now that the most important thing is that yoga taught me to breathe mm -hmm. and breathing the lungs are inextricably connected with the heart. And so for me, yoga became the pathway to the heart and it helped him. My, my father was an athlete and, and he would always say, you know, like walk it off, walk it off. Or, move, or go, if, if something bad happened, he'd say, go walk it off or go for a run or move through it. So yoga felt like that moving through and that moving meditation that um, allowed me to start um, getting still enough <laughs> to start to even listen to what my body was thinking and feeling, right? I had been so quick and busy in, in my, in my typeness um, that slowing down wasn't something I did very well. So um, yoga helped me slow down and really grow quiet and present and feel things in my body and introduce me to my heart. And I do still teach. Um, and yeah, and then I became a teacher in yeah, a handful of years later, and I've been teaching now for eight years. And, um, and that's been really wonderful to bring it all together again, even with this concept of strengthening the head, strengthening the heart and strengthening the gut. Um, and my yoga practice in my life currently looks a lot like breath work. And, and since having discovered yoga, um, I discovered breath work about 18 months ago in the pandemic and then did certifications and stuff um, through it. But um, in the same way that yoga sort of blew me open to the possibility, right? Of like, oh my God, this is what's happening in my heart and body. Breath work um, has done the same and reignited. And, and it, for me in a much um, more condensed way, you know, like I can do a 15 minute breathwork practice and feel the same peace that I would feel from a 45 minute vinyasa class. Right. And mm -hmm. so, um, and of course, breathwork is yoga. It's one of the limbs, but really, uh, so that's mostly been my yoga these days. And, and when we talk about, um, supporting change and supporting transformation, um, I found breathwork to be an incredible tool. Mm -hmm. So you've shared with us some of your daily processes um that help you heal your shit um the enneagram the inner reflection the breath work the yoga what are some other fundamental daily practices that you use um to maintain you to take mm. and attend to your self-care yeah um one I really love um, is that I've gotten more into is chanting. And, and you might notice all of these sort of revolve around the heart because I know that that is my work. It's really um, uh, strengthening uh, the heart space. But um, yeah, gratitude, voice and gratitude. Um, one of my favorites, um, especially in moments where, you know, I can get really caught in these loops in my mind of fear and gratitude is one of a great way to a circuit breaker for that of like, right. I don't need to be afraid about this thing. Like I'm, I'm grateful. I have a fridge full of food, a roof over my head, like, you know, and, and, and taking it back to the simple. Um, I love um, chanting. Uh, that's been something I've really um, gotten into and also um, scream therapy, which is like, uh, yeah, <laughs> within my um, breathwork practice, um, some of my breathwork teachers uh, offer that as part of the practice. And that's been really potent and powerful. And then little things, I mean, some things, uh, one of the biggest things, I guess, that I've done in this last year that um, I've offered for my, to my clients as well and has helped them immensely is not sleeping with my phone in my room. Mm. And I, uh, so I sleep with my phone in downstairs in my office and I sleep upstairs and um, yeah, it's just, and I usually don't look at it until after my daughter goes to school. Right. So at 8 15 in the morning, right. So, so there's no even, and it took some time, but there's no even thought in the morning about like, it's amazing. You know, 
my phone and, and, and then I'm able to wake up with, so my daily practice, I think about the morning. I like waking up with my daughter. She wakes up at the crack of dawn. I don't care. I like waking up with her, having slow morning with her, not, um, uh, and, and not having my phone around is a big part of, of that. I love that. That's something, uh, routine that I'm trying to establish myself. And I have like a little box straight over there. I put my phone, my headphones in and I try to keep it away. Um, it's but, hard. It's, it's hard, but it's worth it. It's, mm-hmm. ab- oh, it's absolutely worth it. And like, since we're talking about this, I, I figured I also ask you another question. I think you have some very valuable insight on, and that is your use of social media. You have to use social media for your business. And you've been a leader in that, not only with your personal brand, but also with Prairie Collective. It's very intensive um, digital presence. How do you maintain that balance of not, always being on social media even though it is your work and being influenced by their, like the feeds you get like how do you balance social media mm. in your life um well and that's interesting and i'm all and something i'm always learning and and working towards um and and because i feel uh that um but and and really i think it has to do with you know the bigger question of how do you build a business of of, of uh right and when um but with, um, with the social media piece, a lot of it for me, I used to find it really, really draining. And with the Prairie Collective at the end, um, I had a really great um, collaborate, uh, a really great team member who, who took it over. And it was like such a, because, because I found myself um, really having a hard time with keeping yeah. that up. And, and the Prairie Collective social media, you know, I did for eight years, <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. it's like, uh, so it's just a very, I probably did it for seven before Aliyah took over, but, um, and then, but with this and with now and, and what I'm trying to build, which, you know, is a business that is aligned with how I want to work and how I want to feel, which as a seven is free and feeling like I have to post every day or every week or whatever, doesn't feel very free to me. Mm-hmm. And so my typical approach to that in my classic seven nature, which would have been, would have been, oh, I'll figure it out. I'll do the process. I'll do this. And what I've really been doing is looking to others. So, you know, other people's processes, other people's, um, and taking courses on how to do that more effectively and, and recognizing that instead of taking it day by day, you know, with, whereas it's like with wellness pieces, like, yeah, like take it day by day, but with the social media stuff, take it month by month, week by week. And now, you know, writing a week's worth of content in one day, the week before, and then filming it all the next, you know, like it's, it's all about um, being smarter in, in the, str- in the process and processes tend to bore seven. So they don't really do them, but then their life is harder because they don't take the time to set up the processes. So I'm mm-hmm. really trying to, again, within the whole context of healing my shit is I is setting up a business uh, in a way that is um, sustainable for me in that way Beautiful. by setting up processes in that way. Right on. And a lot of these tools that you've talked about um, in this conversation has been taught to you by various allies and mentors that you've met along the way. So let's take a moment to recognize some of these individuals. Who were they and what were your primary takeaways from them that you've incorporated into your being today? Mm. Um, well, my auntie, Linda Taylor, who, um, what's the first person to introduce me to the Enneagram is always the person I have to, you know, acknowledge and, and thank and, and continues to be my teacher. I mean, we still have, you know, long lunches where we just talk about motivations and behaviors and, and all of that. Um, and, um, uh, my daughter Sky, um, is, is my biggest teacher in, you know, not only recognizing sort of when you witness another human growing up and, and you can start to, I can almost see her internalize certain things, right. You know, and, and you're like, so, so understanding how deep our internal narratives and these things that we're working to heal can go right. Mm-hmm. Um, that we've uh, this way of adopting and seeing the world. And then of course, she's also my teacher in that she is a pusher of all my buttons. And so it's, you know, she teaches me to um, hold myself accountable to being peaceful and present, right? And, and will very quickly remind me and show me when I'm not. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, and there's so many teachers, yoga teachers and, and breathwork teachers and, 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 
and all of, of that. Um, but I really, and my Taylor unit and even my dad in, in that, um, in dying when I was young, you know, really taught me a lot about, you know, you can do hard things and you can move, you can live through things that you thought you never could. And you can, um, yeah, pursue, um, whatever you'd like. And that, and of course that life is short and you should do what you want. So all my tailors, all my tailors. So through it all, through your journeys, through yoga, through breath work, through the Enneagram, through the community, the connection you've created, um, what have you found to be the greatest life lesson that you've learned on your path so far that you feel called in this moment to share with us? This too shall pass mm. in both ways, right? In the, in the hard moments, right? Be there because this too shall pass. And in the joyful moments, be here because this too shall pass. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well said, great words of wisdom. One thing that stops us from embracing and adopting that mindset and really from just stepping into the unknown world and pursuing our heart, listening to our heart or, or our gut or our brain yeah. um, is, is, is fear. Um, mm-hmm. Fear to move across provinces like you'll be doing in Kelowna in six weeks or fear mm-hmm. to take that yoga training or fear to start that relationship or fear to quit that job or free, fear, um, um, fear that prevents you from going to Panama and pursuing a new lifestyle. What have you learned about fear on the path? And what would you give a fellow hero, a fellow adventurer stuck at that crossroads, that crossroads of should and, should and must? They're being pulled and stuck and weighed down by the shoulds, the shoulds from culture, religion, society, friends, family. When that must, that inner calling is, is screaming to them. Mm-hmm. What have you learned about fear and how would you advise? someone at that crossroads. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. I've, I've really learned that fear is a function of the mind and, um, that bringing and, and that manifestation, you know, bringing something into the world is a function of the body, right. Is a function of the real. And, and so in the Enneagram, that'd be the head and the gut. And those are far from each other right? Like, and, and to get there, you've got to go through the heart. Um, but so to understand that fear is really uplifting when your energy is up here, you are not grounded. You are not grounding thing in, things into manifestation. Okay. Mm-hmm. Fear is up and in the limitless possibility of the mind, whew, you can go down any rabbit hole or worst case scenario, <laughs> you know, you can, the mind is limitless in its possibility where it can take you. Mm-hmm. But when you take action, which is the language of the gut and the body, it dispels fear. The energy that's living in the mind in this fear loop, I call them the fear loop. The way to get out of it is through action. And I love a circuit breaker. Um, and so for me, for example, if I get caught in a fear loop and it depends on where I'm at or, you know, inside, outside in public or whatever, but my response is first to say, hey, fear, name it. Hey, fear, hey, fear loop. There you are. I know where following you goes. I've been there a million times. I'm going to do something else. And and that something else will be movement. So I love a good solo kitchen dance party. Mm -hmm. I love a good, if if it's, you know, outside, even just jumping or just a couple little jumps, a couple little shakes, shake it out, get your energy shake back out from being stuck up here into your body, shake it out. Um, And then through that, after the movement, after the presence, and and it could just be a big sigh (sighs) that helps to bring you back in your body, then consider what's true. And when we talk about the body, the, the mind, the fear center wants to go 17 million steps ahead, right? I can't take one step because the 17th million step might be really scary. Mm-hmm. 
and the body is only concerned with one step. <laughs> What's the next step? Right. Right foot, left foot, right foot, left foot. So when you're caught in that fear, whether it's from your own internal stuff or what society or parents or whatever have put on you, and you want to get into manifestation, get into the body, <laughs> shake it out and ask yourself, what's the next step? One step, singular right? Towards the, the must, as you called it, or, or, you know, mm. that, that inner knowing, um, that gut feeling that I, my body is telling me is the right path. Mm. Right. And it's interesting. You mentioned about going, um, moving to Kelowna. And, and so we bought a lot in, in Kelowna, which is a couple of provinces over, um, in October of 2020 and, and have build, been building a house, um, there since, and it's almost ready and we're going to get to move. Yay. But since that October, 2020, Kelowna or the Okanagan has become a really scary place to sort of, especially pour all your money into a property because of the forest fires, right? And, and the forest fires and the smoke. And, and last summer was a really hard summer in the Okanagan um, for, for the smoke and, and the forest fires and stuff. And so I was in a total fear loop of, oh my God, we can't do this. Oh my God, our new super expensive house is going to burn down. And all, you know, like, you know, all the possibilities of the mind that go down that, that, that space. And then I thought, okay, shake it out. I just have to go there and feel it. And if it feels like home, we'll, we'll move, we'll go. And if it doesn't feel like home, if it doesn't feel right, I'll know it in my body. My body will, will know. So last summer we went in, Oct in August. It was like the smokiest weekend of all the whole summer that we were there. Um, and I knew it, it was home. I knew, you know, my body told me. So all the fear of all the things of all the reasons why not don't really matter when it's in alignment in your body and you can connect with that truth. Mm -hmm. Wow. I resonate with that. So much wisdom shared. Um, thank you so much mm, for your presence. Thank you for having me. All this shared. Our final question that we ask all guests requires a bit of playing around with time. We ventured into the past and we examined your origin stories of your Enneagram journey, your yoga journey, your self-care foundations, and so much more. Let's fast forward to the future. We'll fast forward to the future and we're going to be alongside an 85 year old Rochelle Taylor. Who is this woman? Where is she? Who is she surrounded by? What is the legacy that you've left in your time here on earth? Hmm. Yeah. 85. I would be very lucky. Um, I feel, um, yeah, I think by that moment, although I do follow this woman on Instagram, who's like called fitness with Joan and she's like 90 and she works out in Tulum every day. And that's like where my mind went, like where I'd like to be, but like <laughs> probably not an Instagram, uh, influencer at, at 85, but, but you never know. Um, yeah, to me, I see, um, in that end, um, being around, uh, yeah, having my daughter around, I'd love to have my spouse, but he's older than I am. If I'm 85, I don't know if he'd be there. <laughs> but, um, um, yeah. And, and close friends, um, and, uh, the, the important people in my life, but, um, really I want to be remembered for who people, someone that people came to for the truth right? That I not only um, was a source of truth for others, but um, lived my own truth through the, my own life. And then that was not only, you know, apparent within my own inner knowing, but apparent for others as well. Um, mm -hmm. um, and, and to me, the legacy, I, I am an entrepreneurial spirit. I, um, you know, it, it's funny, even uh, when I teach, uh, yoga and sometimes people will wear like an old prairie yogi shirt, you know, like I, there's a part of me that just goes like, ah, oh, like, that's so cool. Like that something I thought of and that like is now still, you know, living and, and out in the world. Um, so I love that legacy of, uh, but, and, and with that again, um, with the festivals and that I hope um, is one of the legacies that I leave. And by the time that I'm 85, I hope that there are many more. Mm -hmm. I hope so too. I really look <laughs> forward to the return. 
yeah. all your events. They're such beautiful ones. Let's stay with that 85 year old one moment more. I yeah. want you to really tune in, tap in and feel her in your heart, feel her in your gut, feel her in your mind, embody her presence with you alongside you here and now. And that's where I bring us back. I bring us back to this current moment in time. And that 85 year old woman, she sends you a message. What does she whisper in your ear? Uh, uh, I just heard it. Yeah. What a wild ride. <laughs> wild ride. Uh. To continuing, to continuing that, that wildness and that yeah. fun and that well, joy. Thank you and, so and the, much. the, um, the savoring of it. And that's the gift of the seven is they mm -hmm. call that an ecstatic and their highest levels are an ecstatic appreciator. And so mm -hmm. to me that like, what a wild ride is like this full appreciation of, of life and, and those 85 years, you know? Hell yeah, I'm with that. Yeah. <laughs> Bianca, closing words from you on this mm. conversation. Well, I resonate with everything you said, like oh, so much about the number seven and, um, you know, pointing to the wild ride. It's funny because I, I feel that way too, like um, having so much fear to go through and learning to really appreciate things and I love the reminder that you're offering us today for all numbers that um there is there is um all these parts of us kind of acting and it reminds me because in the in the beginning you said how the Enneagram is a spiritual tool and and I see how it's also kind of like that connection between mind body and spirit and mm. Um, you gave us so many beautiful practices from focusing on gratitude, tuning in with our body, um, feeling, feeling has been such a big learning for me, um, getting out of the mind and feeling into the body. You've shared many valuable um, practices with us today. So thank you. Um, mm -hmm. I see the value in the Enneagram. I would like to ask where where can people find out or get this kind of guidance from you? Mm -hmm. um, and so a great place to start. I have a self-typing guide um, that you can download on my website. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's a beautiful guide that show or that explains how to find your type. Um, and you can do an online test. That's a good first starting point, but they're not always hundred percent accurate. So, so it, it explains, you know, where to find your type and how to align with your type. And then it also includes an overview of all nine of the types so that you can, um, get, get a feel for all nine of the types so that not only can you recognize yourself, but maybe encourage your partner friend, you know, and so, Hey, maybe there's something for you here to learn. So that's mm -hmm. at my website, rochelle-taylor.com. Um, yeah. And that's, uh, and yeah, I do have a mini course, um, that is really affordable and goes in depth into, into the nine types. Um, and uh, yeah, all that's available on my website. I do share a lot on Instagram as well. And that's a great place to connect with me. Uh, I'm Rochelle Taylor with two underscores in between. Amazing. Thank you so much to close every conversation. We bring our fist <laughs> in for a digital bump. Boom. Thanks. A choice to step into the winner circle. A choice for us mm. all. Thank you so much. Rachel. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks.